From Jimbo the party man to running a £12 million a year entertainment and leisure business, this week we're joined by James Sinclair, where we talk personal brand and business success. This is not a podcast to just get you motivated and inspired. This podcast comes with the sole purpose to discuss strategies that we can all implement into our business right now that can increase how much money we earn. We'll hear from successful business people about marketing, sales, recruitment, training and mindset. The key principles to grow a business, make it recession proof and thrive in today's business world. So, James, thank you very much for your for your time this morning. No uh, worries. Let me just first of all start by telling you a little bit about weekly business talk. Yeah, is that what it's called? The weekly Week, bu- weekly business talk. And you, you weekly could, you could, business talk. You could guess how often we do it. Yep. And uh, that's it. What do you do if you go on holiday? Well, we're, we're stacked up, so it still so, comes out weekly. Yeah, so we're ahead we on that. Yeah. But the whole purpose of it is to speak to uh, business leaders, well, people in business talking about success, how do we get success, what are the common problems, how do we overcome them, marketing, sales, leadership, entrepreneurialism. Lovely, the right whole, up my street. And I'm sure you've been talking about it for a long time, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, put some great information out there Yeah. Uh, so that our listeners can, can take them in, can take little nuggets from it and learn from it, implement it in their business. One thing we are very specific on is we always like to give some tactical uh, strategies uh, and, and talk about the, 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 the bigger picture, but certainly the, the tactical stuff that they can implement into their business every single day that they can literally improve in whatever way their improvement is or whatever they call success, but they can implement these to get the success that they want. Got it. And it's small and medium-sized business owners, so I dare say people that you're used to speaking yep, uh, all the time to. Coach, yep, and train, yep. So thanks very much, but I mean, I'll let you, I'm sure you've done it before. I'll let you do the honours. Um, who are you, and tell us a bit about your business. Well, my name is James Nicholas Sinclair. I'm an Essex boy, mm. uh, the world-famous county of... Um, I, I, I suppose I'm a, I started out as a kids' entertainer, built up a, a kids' entertainment agency, um, and then we well, always had this dream of opening visitor attractions where we're filming right now. Uh, we own a little theme park in Eastbourne. We own a chain of day nurseries. Uh, we employ over four. 150 people now uh, yeah, we do about 12 million in sales each and every single year got a quite a large property portfolio as well at the moment we're looking at buying an industrial estate mm. so we're really trying to rock it on with that more and more but also we've got buy to lets and um, normal residential stuff and I love speaking to business owners and helping them grow their business or sort of success as I like to say wrote a couple of books got a third book coming out um, in, a, uh, in a week or two's time called Getting Customers guess what it's about Getting customers. That's what it's about. Yep. That yep. is the one. Um, and and I suppose strangely enough, I record a ton of video content. Uh, Chudders is who's in the background of this uh, little studio we set up here. He films me all the time. We make a vlog and um, content to help business owners grow. We put that on Linky Dink and um, Facebook and Twitbook and all of those places so people can see our um, see our content and help grow their business from watching our stuff. Very passionate about entrepreneurship. Fantastic, and that is exactly why I, I seen your content um, oh, you. starting on YouTube. Did you? Yeah. So YouTube's the one that we struggle mm. with. I mean, oh, we, really? we've got over three hundred and fifty videos now on YouTube, but 
we f- we're really struggling to like break through and get the views but you know we we see the youtube viewer as the most valuable viewer because we know people spend 40 minutes each time they go onto youtube via 40 seconds on all the other platforms and that's really important strategy for us to make sure we crack that but you know we're probably a quite a niche audience not everyone wants to watch business stuff we've always spoken if we've done property just property like mm. that's much broader um whereas uh, entrepreneurship and business and talking about employing people is it's not so. Smaller. It's not the sexy stuff that people like to talk about, is no, it? No. They want to gr- talk about growing their property portfolio. Yeah, and yeah, which we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, and actually, I think when you watch our content, it's the the probably the best possible advice out there because it isn't get rich quick, but it is. Mm. Um, you know, get rich faster, I suppose, but yeah. at the right way and the right levels. And do you find um, that because we certainly find this there when we because we do a lot of property as well and um, mind you residential not commercial and anytime we put a video on YouTube specifically we're probably getting four to five times the amount of views yeah. on the property is it the same thing oh, with well, yourself when you're talking a, about property yeah, I mean, I, I've got a fact that the, we put a video out on Monday didn't we Chance um, he's, he's nodding there mm. for those that you were listening you can't talk Chance yeah mm. yeah we did on the YouTube channel we got 22 comments on that on YouTube um, uh, within a you know within a day and, and if we'd put a business video out we just don't get that sort of traction the kind of engagement yeah but strange but the the thing is I do you know there are some people like Grant Cardone Gary Vaynerchuk um, um, and to name some others that are smashing it on business and entrepreneurship yeah. um, but they probably are talking to solopreneurs we, we really want to target entrepreneurs when we're bringing our stuff out we're talking about employment getting most out of your team that is that is I mean when you think about it, in the UK 70% of businesses don't even pay VAT so we're, we're, we're actually marketing to the 30% you know they're, they're all under the 80,000 or 83,000 pound mm. turnover threshold so that's seventy percent of businesses, uh, and then when you scale that back up, it's only half a percent of businesses in the United Kingdom turn more than ten million pounds in sales per half a percent. Half a percent. So you know, there's, you know, we, we, we're probably our audience in the UK is probably quarter of a million people that yeah. like our com- that would consume our content. We've just got to find that quarter of a million people. And you're talking when you say the people that are relevant. You're talking about entrepreneurs who are looking to grow, yeah, looking higher. To- Fire, that have ambition, yeah. that um, uh, want to learn about how to get customers um, that can handle the stress of entrepreneurship. I mean, yeah. not not you know, I, I yeah, as as I get older, I think sometimes like God, what is this for everyone? And one of my favourite quotes of entrepreneurship is a, and you can check this out on YouTube. If you ch- type in Steve Jobs interviews and stuff, he was interviewed and um, and he was asked the question, why is it that you know so many businesses fail? And uh, uh, and he said, well. The most business owners give up because they're sane, and mm. they're, you know that's always. I tell that story. I've told that quote pr- probably every week um, <laughs> to someone, and, and I think it really strikes a chord. Right, with if there is some insanity to yeah. growing a business, you know. Yeah, I would agree. You've got to have a certain set of DNA because the odds are stacked against you. I, period. I, I've actually and. When I'm, because I'm a consumer uh, as well as a creator of this stuff, but when I consume stuff, I've always said that, and not even just in businesses, I even feel like top entertainers, maybe this is something, I don't know if you've ever seen the Lady Gaga uh, documentary. Yeah, fantastic, I love that documentary. She was she was very much on the, she was on that line between genius and also being deeply unstable of, oh, you, you, absolutely. And, I think, and I think there's, there's abs, 
and I don't mean to be have some form of success, but I think if you want that high level of success, particularly in your business, well, there needs to be you. a little bit of madness in you. Yeah, and all, or maybe yeah. a big bit of madness. I don't know. Yeah, there is some. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I look at the things that I do. I just think most people just wouldn't go to that. Yeah. Like, you know, I've probably got £7 million worth of personal guarantees yeah. on uh, on debts and loans for, to help grow our business and on property. Like, that's not for everyone. Nah, you know, people get a bit scared and freaked out and can't sleep at night after they've yeah. got seven grand in the credit cards. Yeah, yeah. So seven million pounds hanging over you in some way. If it doesn't hang over, yeah. I'm actually excited about Well, yeah, about it. it's, that's it's, the difference, you know. I think this is great. How yeah. can I get more? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that's not for everyone, you know, and, and, and I understand that, you know, and there is, you know, there is a fine line between um, insanity and sanity when it comes to genius. And Absolutely. I mean, I mean Lady Gaga, I mean, she's, She's an entrepreneur, isn't she? She's a marketeer of, of epic proportions. Yeah. Um, and um, she's just, that's why she's successful because when you look at her, and all successful people are marketeers first and then their thing they do second. Um, and that's what we try and teach people that work me. You know, you've got to be a marketeer first and a doer of your thing second. Yeah. You look at Richard Branson, he's a marketeer of the Virgin brand. You know, you think if you break it, you'll be, oh, well, he runs airlines and music and, you know, but no, he's a marketeer of an airline. He's a marketeer of um, Virgin casinos, Virgin um, holidays, Virgin voyages now, yeah. and Virgin money. He he's a, he's a marketeer first. You know, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, these are marketeers. You know, uh, Phil Knight, you know, from Nike, you know, really spent his whole life marketing the product. Yeah. Um, now, he'd done some operations, but he spent a big chunk of his time on getting customers and that's why I've you know put this new book together because I think it's really important that people understand this is that successful people are marketeers now I do this little game with people and they go really uh, I'm not so sure you know and I go well they, they, name me five politicians that you know in the world mm. um, and I said now before you can think about it so Donald Trump at the moment always yep, comes yep. up Jeremy Corbyn uh, yep. uh, Boris Johnson Nigel Farage uh, and then they usually name the Prime Minister of her country at the time which right now we yeah well, we, we don't know what we're yeah, doing right yeah, now yeah, yeah. Not, uh, but the, the, the ones that you've mentioned there Nigel Farage Donald yeah. Trump Jeremy Corbyn um, uh, and Boris Johnson whether you love or loathe any yeah. of those people they are first to mind because they're such good marketeers yeah I mean Donald Trump's a marketeer without a doubt and I think actually talking about the political scene although we absolutely don't want to get political in this podcast um, clearly the people that were in the run for the next Prime Minister, yeah. there was people there, and certainly from maybe, you know, I don't like politics personally really, but these people were completely unknown to probably most people, yeah. you know, the people that were in the run, and then it was the sort of two famous ones that kind of were yeah. there at the end of it, and the main one being Boris Johnson, who we've all known for the right or wrong reasons, so absolutely marketing was, whether he was deliberately doing it or not, but it's... Oh, he, he's yeah. a marketeer. Yeah. I mean, he, he, Do you think I, he's, he's, his problem at the house was, uh, was a, you know, he had a problem with Home. It's attention, him, it? yeah, it's, it's certainly got him the attention there. He knows. I mean, he's a, he was a journalist before he mm. became a politician, he, so he he knows how it all works yeah, inside and yeah. out. Persuading the audience is something he knows about, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what about? So you talk about marketers, although we spoke about earlier on entrepreneurs, are they the same in your eyes? I think the successful ones are natural born marketeers. Okay, just. They get it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always say to people, like, if you spend most of your time on getting customers, mm. because everything else is easy to buy in, when you really break it down, the person that, that goes out there and says, you know, if you start a business, go, well, I'm going to build a million pound business from scratch in revenue. Um, 
that is a rare set of DNA, mm. but it's easy to find someone that can manage the cash in terms of an accountant, a bookkeeper, an operations person, so much easier to get. An admin person is so much easier to yeah. get. A sales person is um, easier to find than yes. someone that can actually go and get the funnel started in terms of people to know about your business. Um, so I would say um, marketing is the, the, the is a natural talent yeah. Then sales is a natural talent that comes after that, and then um, operations is an, the next natural talent, and then the day-to-day -day accounts, administration stuff. It's, I, I just get annoyed with business owners when I find out they're doing administration tasks, when I find out they're doing their bookkeeping, yeah. when I find out they're tidying up the warehouse or doing stuff like that. It's just not good enough. You need to, be, if you really want a successful business, focus your time on marketing and getting customers but, because then you can afford to put the rest of people in place. But, but this is actually something, now, you were very influential, James, in this hire of mine. You, you just met Stephanie there. Stephanie's only been with me a few weeks. I've been toying with that Hell, idea. I, I've never... <laughs> a few weeks, right? Uh, she's been with us a few weeks um, and she although I've been toying with the idea of an assistant for a number of months but there's always been that for of do I have enough for her to do you know would she then be sitting idle and how do you get the right one there's a discretionary and privacy element of it so on and so on but what is your thoughts, because I know you've got strong thoughts on, as you just said there, those business owners that say, I can't afford these people, whether it's admin, assistant, and they're holding back because they don't want to take something on. Well, and they commit mindset, too much. Yeah. yeah, so what would you say? Like, well, so I how would you say, punch well, When I was face? 17, I had nothing, and I employed someone to do admin for me for five hours a day because I worked out that was going to cost me 60, 70 pound a day back then, or 50 quid, whatever it was. Uh, that then gave me five hours to go and get customers. Yeah, now, and I think business owners need a bit of positive pressure on them. Yes, I think they need right. I've got a salary now to find each and every single month. And here's the other thing: don't think about an annual salary like you're going to pay someone ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand pounds a year. It's divided by twelve, mm. right? <laughs> Understand that. So you know, maybe you're just going to get the savings up for one month. Yeah. But once you get your time back to go and do getting customers' tasks, but sometimes people want to feel like they just want to be busy being busy and I just think come on stuff off yeah. you know d don't think like that yeah you, know, I, you just want to you want to say oh I'm so busy doing the admin I'm so busy doing the bookkeeping no you want to be so busy saying you're getting customers yeah. because then you can afford people to go and do that stuff and if you're no good at marketing read 10 books on marketing re listen to 20 podcasts on marketing you know get on YouTube like you know there's so much good stuff out there you know I, I see so many business owners they they, they they don't understand marketing because they haven't bothered to learn about mm. it do you think those business owners that um, we quite often talk about those people that are, are great technicians and uh, they go into business by accident in fact we've done a podcast last week about uh, this type of thing yeah, and, and then when they get to the sticky part it's great in the outset because there's very low sort of expectations but when they get to the sticky part running a business and being a business owner or an entrepreneur is, is there's a lot of skills you need to learn to be able to deal with you get a cash flow problem or someone doesn't pay for you or you need to hire or fire or deal with all these things they're great at their craft but poor actually at running a business 
do you find and, and poor or inexperienced? Well, so so there's this um, phrase up here. Um, some of you might be No, well, but I was actually got that. Uh, yeah. So was it E for those that are listening? E plus M equals S. Now, yeah, so that's a, that's what we call the foundations of success of a foundation, great business. Right. So it's entrepreneurship exp- plus management equals success. Usually entrepreneurs are not great managers. Yes. I am not a great manager. I would be the best manager you would ever have in a business for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm on to the next yeah. thing. You know, you have to understand there's a big correlating difference between leadership and management. Yeah. And when you understand that, then you can really start to sort success. So when I, the, the, and I, I was very lucky enough that I discovered the book Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson when I was 16, 17. And he basically gave me permission. He rewired my thinking from 17 years of being a kid to say, look, if you're not good at something, just get someone else to do it. Yeah. Now, when you're growing up, you know, if you can't do something, you're told if you don't succeed, try, try again. You know, that yes. stuff is, is like pushed into us. So, you know, the, the thing you need to be good at is breaking into market and getting people to know about you. That is a natural skilled talent of business ownership, entrepreneurship, that you need to get really good at. So you do need to learn that stuff. You need to know how to read a profit and loss, but you don't need to put it together. So I couldn't wait to employ people. Richard, like that said, I just read that book at 16, and he said, you know, he built teams. When you break down Richard Branson, what he is so good at is building teams, not building companies, he builds teams. And if you reverse engineer any successful person, and and when I was done a seminar yesterday, um, um, and someone was asking me, you know, oh, how do you do all these similar sort of questions? I'm like, if I find a talented person, I'll then build a business around the talented person. Yeah. They're like, what? So it was a guy that had an optician. So he's got two and he wants to open the third um, third shop. Uh, and he was asking me about funding the third shop. And I was like, whoa, 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 before you fund the third shop, find the third best possible general manager of that shop first. Because getting the money is always easy. It's building the team that's the the tricky part of it. And you need to be really good at being a Simon Cow, if you like, attracting talent towards you to just you know grow companies. There's no doubt um, that, and a lot of the people I speak to, because I hear it all the time, I don't have the capital um, or I can't afford the time or the money to bring people on. But you spoke about debt and leverage. Because if they're good people, then they can. So basically, you get rid of the low value but important tasks first. So you can do the high value stuff. So when I was 17, I was doing the administration, and then I brought someone in to do the administration. That cost me, say, 150 quid a week. I've got all my time back now to do going. And get more customers. The high value stuff. So that 150 pounds is now free. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, you know, I just I, I get really frustrated. Painful. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. really, really fr- because people are wrong on this. Yeah, no, I, I and I hear it regularly. I'm sure you hear it regularly at your seminars. And well, geez, it doesn't. You don't need to go that far to hear it. But is that the same way as growing a business? You need to take on some sort of debt to sort of grow your business. Is that the same thing? Depends you need if to... it's a capital intensive business or not. I mean, if, yeah. if you had but even re- bringing a staff on in terms of the mindset of looking at it, bringing a cost on and expense because on I, yeah, to we, grow. No, it, you know. My first business was a children's entertainment agency. I just went hungry for a few months to make sure everyone else got paid. Yeah. But then, you know, you really do can eat. 
Yes. That's the difference. You know, you go hungry for a few months, but then you can really eat. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't a capital intensive business. So like a recruitment agency, an accountancy firm is not capital intensive. Yeah. You're sitting in Marsh Farm. I mean, we just put £150,000 train track in. We're building a fake beach next year. We want to put a zoo in. So yeah, for that sort of business, you need capital. There's no two yeah. ways about it. My seminar business training business doesn't need any capital to grow. Yeah. Because it, it cash flows itself. Usually, though, the good thing is if you've got a capital-intensive business, it's usually a high barrier to entry. So, therefore, you know, if you open a theme park yes. um, or a 500-bedroom hotel, that your, your mate down the road's not going to get envy of that and think, "Oh, I want a bit I'll of do that." The same. Yeah. He can't go, you know, because he might not have the mindset. But if you open a four-bedroom uh, guest house, your mate down the road, when well, he's doing all right, I might muscle in on his parade. So, I, as I've grown my business, I try and look to do things that are more high barrier to entry, so there's less competition. You see, this is the big thing I've learned in my sort of 16, 17 years in business now. The bigger you think, the less people operate. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and do you agree with the, the, the sort of statement that unless people are laughing at your goals, then they're not big enough? No one's really ever laughed at my, other than when I was, my last family holiday, and I'll tell you this little story. My last family holiday, a member of my family said, oh, what do you, I was 16, uh, what do you want to do? I said, well, by the time I'm 21, I want to have a business that turns a quarter of a million quid. Um, I want to have a house that's worth a quarter of a million quid, and I want to be earning £50,000 a year uh, minimum. And they sort of laughed at me and said, you need to go and get a job in Sainsbury's first, get some experience, then go and get a better job. It's like, that's just not for me. And so that was probably the only time someone doubted me. But because by the time I was 16 and a half, I was turning £1,500 a week in my business. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, doing what I said I was going to do and it became pretty... So I don't think people necessarily laugh at my goals. They might question how I'm going to do it and I will have to back up the facts. Um, but that... I mean, if you make a, an assumption and it's and you've got no past history, then people probably do laugh at you. But when people meet me... You know, when I say I'm going to, like, when I say I was going to write, but I can't write very well. Yeah. Um, I've got better because I've put my mind to it. Um, but, but, you know, when I said I was going to write a book, like, people sort of, yeah, probably will. Yeah. And then when I said I was going to write probably 20 books in my life, now I've run three. That's just not something to laugh at, but most yeah. people just don't want to write books. That, that's just because it's like if Elon Musk or, or, or Richard Branson say they were, they are time served, experienced, and, and they're proving themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I think probably most successful business owners, certainly the ones that we have on the podcast and ones that are well known, or some not so well known, have that, that they're proving themselves. Yeah. Um, when you were, back when the family holiday happened and you were telling people about your goals, did you have, did you? have the goals kind of written down up on the wall the way that people say if they're not there visualise them yeah, or was it not quite as tangible as that or no I knew I wanted to build a national brand in Party Man um, right now we've got 11 locations um, around England um, we've started Party Man TV a YouTube channel for kids um, I think that and all that stuff was there it, yeah. it really was there and I think when you break down anyone that's successful or semi-successful they think with the end in mind it's a uh, it's just how great people, like if someone says I want to be a doctor, like them getting through university is actually easier than the person that's going through university and doesn't know why they're there. 
Yes. They say, I want to be a vet, I want to be an architect. Actually, they, they, they've met success, really, because they know what they want to do. Um, and I, most business owners don't know what they... I always say that you're just battle planning without a war plan. Yeah. You need to have a war plan. You need, you know, what you look at World War One compared to World War Two. World War Two, like, everyone got behind it much more because the end in mind was get rid of the Nazis, get rid of Adolf Hitler... And everyone felt much more motivated to liberate Europe and do all of that. World War One, like, oh, we're just stealing that metre of land, and then they're stealing it back. And then, why are we here? Why are we doing this? No one knows why we're doing this. And that's why it was really such a tragedy. And that, and that, that, that's really important for business. You know, you need to take that and think, right, okay, yeah, I understand this. You've got to have a war plan. You can't just battle plan. Now, people usually in business are sort of right, fighting the right battle but they don't know why so I, I was with a lady yesterday that I was doing some consultancy for she had a, um, a florist and I said what, what do you want your business to look like when it's finished she said uh, I want it to have um, half a million pounds worth of profit because I always work to a finish date that's the thing you've got to say when your business is finished and what's it going to look like what's the team going to look like what's the profit and, and the even revenue? to the okay that, that, that kind of answers my question there do you even and is that even in terms of do you want to exit it in some way as well do, do you go down to that you well, want to sell it or do you want to absolutely you should always be building a business to sell sure. even if you don't want to yeah. Even if you don't. I've want heard the great quote, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, it's the uh, the E Myth one. Uh, Michael Gerber talks about either you buy it or someone else buys it, but you're building it to sell it. And, and ultimately, yeah. what he's saying is that you know ultimately you're going to take over, and, and it better be a good deal if you're going to buy it, or you're going to sell it onto someone else. So you always build a business with the mindset that you you will be selling this. Yeah, you, you need to be. I mean, I, I this is what I was saying to this lady yesterday about the florist, and I said. You know why? Why do you want a half a million pound profit? You know, are you just saying that? I need to know why because otherwise you're not going to have the resilience and passion to carry on. And so we broke that down and we worked this out. Um, and I, you know, basically what I was trying to get to is you need to build not just a profitable job, which most business owners are doing. They're building a profitable job. The business pays them an income, and then they want to sell it. And I try and, you know, harshly get through to someone. So, well, so you want to sell your business? Are you going to stay on with it? No. What, what, where's the management team? Well, I want to build a management team. I don't want to employ people. Well, then you're not going to sell your business for anything, and it'd be safer for you to be employed. So don't be so stupid. Build a business, not a profitable job. And once you've built that business, then start building an investment. And that's the key difference. Why do people want to buy property? Because they know it's an investment. They're not buying a job or they're not buying a business. No one wants to buy a profitable job. You think you've got a great profitable job, no one wants to pay for that. They just go and get that job. Yeah. So first of all, stop running profitable jobs, which is most people, get it into a profitable business, then turn it into an investment. I.e., people think, yeah, I'm buying a property here that's gonna keep on spinning off cash. That's why I like day nurseries, for example, because yeah. you know other people's money, and when I say other people's money, I mean private equity funds, venture capitalists, they're buying into those sectors. So you need to look and see what sort of people are gonna buy your business. When you start, it's so important that you have the avatar buyer in your mind. And if you know the buyer, brilliant. So when I look at my chain of day nurseries, we're talking to a group now that wants to buy them. Um, I know what they look like. I know their private equity. I know what times EBITDA, um, earnings before interest tax and depreciation, that they'll pay for the business as soon as I start. 
And was that all when you started the Dinosauries from that point of view starting that was clear to you beforehand? No. Or was that when you got a bit more experienced? No, or? because the end of mine was I wanted to build a national brand, I wanted to be a successful person, I wanted to, uh, my te- I wanted to build a great team, blah blah blah. And then by the time I was twenty four I thought, Oh my god, no one wants to buy leisure businesses. I'm in I'm here in a, without a paddle, if you know what I mean, as, yeah. the, as the phrase goes. Absolutely. So that's when I started adding day nurseries into them because that made them far more attractive a business. Got you. So here's the thing, right? If you've got a million pound business that makes called a million pound profit and it's a restaurant, yeah. you've got a million pound business that makes called a million pound profit and it's a day nursery, the day nursery is going to have a much bigger list of buyers to buy it than the day uh, than the restaurant. Same business, same turnover, same profitability. It's the sector that private money likes to buy. So, like an insurance brokerage, is it always easy to sell because other insurance brokerages are always buying them? And it's about spending, you know, a couple of days researching, making sure the thing that you're setting up, someone's going to want to buy. Like buying a coffee shop setting up a standalone coffee shop. Now, that's really a lifestyle business. There's not many people that are gonna go and wanna buy that. Is that because the risk factor is greater? It's low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. and anybody can start up the restaurant or the Love cafe. It. Let or... me tell you a little a little story whilst, whilst I can. I went to a, a leisure conference uh, when I was about 24, and I was sitting next to some of the work for Merlin, and Merlin own um, Madame Tussauds, they own Legoland, Autumn Towers, yep. they own the London Eye, big, big leisure outfit. They're worth about six billion quid, they've just sold actually. Um, and I sat next to this guy and said, well, why don't you guys get into indoor play centres? Because we had like five and I was trying to be the, the big man. You know, look at us, you know, I'm only young, look what I've done. And he said, oh, we wouldn't get into that, it's too low barrier to entry. We could set one up and someone could set up down the road for a million quid. And you, you know, you sit and you think, damn, damn. He said, like, we set up in Alton Towers, no one can set up near us because yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll need like 100 million quid. They need to get the planning permission. There's so many barriers to entry, less people can compete with us. There'll only be one Lego land. He said, and I'm like, oh, it's like a light bulb moment, and I never forgot it. And that's really what I, when I go back to the YouTube thing, you know, I, I, in a way, love the fact that it's a struggle to build it because. Not everyone can go and do it. Yeah, they don't have the stomach for it. In fact, that just proves like a YouTube in a different way. Anybody nowadays can create that, but very few a YouTube channel and put content, but very few have the stomach to actually keep it going and yeah, you yeah. know persevere yeah. with it. You know, and I think it's you know, I mean, we were talking about Grant Cardone earlier and how well he's doing, but actually, when you break it down, um, I realised the Ten X book. You know that he's of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that in two thousand and nine. I discovered it two years ago, and only discovered him two years ago. And he's 61, and actually he's been doing this space for 31 years. And I've only known about him in the last couple of years. So when you really think about this stuff, it's 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 pretty spectacular, you know, how long it does actually take. Oh yeah, so it's a big old world and it can take that time. Although it's small in a way, but it's certainly, you know, it can take a long time for even well-known people to get around. Um you touched on the books and the the personal brand, and we we previously spoke touched touched on the personal brand. Um you are spending by the looks of it, much more time not necessarily on your businesses, but on the personal brand and growing your personal brand. Um, what what's the thought behind that part of it? What is the reasons for that? Well, a couple of things. Um, uh, a lot of people have got a fear of being on stage. I've got a fear of not being on stage. I love to speak. I love doing that stuff and I need to do that stuff that's in yeah. me um, so now I'm not a magician anymore I mean I do do stuff here at the farm uh, I just go and do magic shows here sometimes and I love doing it And is that just because you love doing it and it's yeah, in your DNA yeah I mean 
yeah. I, you know, I like to think I'm pretty good at it and I love yeah. making people laugh and I, I love doing it in a seminar environment um, as well. Um, but I, I realised that, so I built this, this Jimbo brand up in Essex, which is like a family entertainer and it helped our our brick and mortar businesses because there was a personal brand behind so, it so that, that's a good point actually so did Jimbo I thought that maybe came first before your brick and mortar businesses it did but, oh it did right okay yeah, yeah. right so, that so I built of... that up and then when I and I'd done theatre shows and stuff like that when we opened our first venue um, before we'd opened it we'd had all these money come in people booking parties and they hadn't seen what we'd had and so simply like you know um Gordon Ramsay opening a restaurant, yeah. you know, that putting the Gordon Ramsay, you know, everyone knows about personal brand and how it works, blah blah blah, um, and, and so we did that in a mini way in this county of Essex, and then I, I thought, what well, if I build a personal brand? I'm going to open up more doors, get more funding for Party Man, uh, get to meet the right banks and financiers. So I started to enter into business awards, win them. You know, I bank with a fantastic bank and offer all of those situations by building my personal brand and writing the books attracts great people to come and work for you. That's the single biggest thing about a personal brand that I didn't realise. Writing books, making videos, when you put a job interview out there on LinkedIn or whatever, if people consume some of yeah. your content, they want to come and work for you. Yeah. Like, it's mind-blowing. When you think about Richard Branson, all the best air pilots want to work for him and the best air hostesses, they want to work for him, the best train drivers. You know, when he goes into a meeting and he wants to start a bank, you know, he hasn't got to build up the... Is this guy, Can this guy do it or not? Yeah, yeah and, and that is very, yeah. very powerful. What it does is it pulls opportunities towards you rather than push for opportunities. Yes. And most business owners sit in the pushing for opportunities rather than the pull for opportunities situation. Once you turn into pull rather than push, life gets really fun. So the personal brand um, attracts great staff. It attracts great opportunities to me. It uh, attracts speaking opportunities. And my business training business, you know, I have customers come in. James, we consume loads of your content. How can you train us? How can you make our business better? Boom, they're straight in. Yeah, yeah. And is that uh, part of your future? You, we briefly spoke before, and we talked about over the next couple of years, it's going to get even more relevant or even more important. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel it's great now? There's opportunities now. It's, it's a fairly new market as such. But do you think in a couple of years' time, like if you don't yeah, have a yeah. personal online brand, then... Uh, you're losing. No, I don't think building a personal brand is for everyone. Yeah, like, I don't think. Do you believe that we all have a personal brand that we either make uh, it even better? Yeah, and, I, I yeah. Mean, maybe a public. Yeah, we've all got a personal brand, absolutely, and, and but maybe a public famous to a few yes, personal brands yes. that's not for everyone um, not everyone wants to stand on stage be on video I was with someone yesterday they go, oh, I just can do the video I think well if that's not for you right, fine you know different people make the world go round and I fully yes. understand that um, and I always say you know maybe it's better for you to be a number two three four five in a company not be the number one I actually don't wish my life on anyone Yes. I do not wish my life on anyone. You know, we're going to go away for a weekend to me or me and my uh, fiance. We'll have a lovely time. She's going to have a better time than me because my mind will still be here, although yeah. my body is not. Yeah. And that's just the way I am. Is that right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But I can't help who I am. That's very true. There's a there's a big part, and I think that's where we go back to. You need to be a little bit mad or something not yeah, quite it's, right it's, to, it's, to, it's, to, it's, to prioritize it's weird, that. It's a weird thing. If you really are an entrepreneur, it's it's a, it's like a disease. Yeah. You just cannot stop. You go for a menu, uh, or like if I go for a, a dinner out, I'm like thinking, oh yeah, what's their spend per head? Like just quickly yeah. goes into me. You know they're doing well. They're the great management. Like yeah, or, or that's not good enough. The marketing's really. 
And everyone else is there just enjoying the food and having a laugh. Yeah. And I just think, what is this curse I've got? <laughs> you know, James, yeah. I can talk with it. Yeah. I, I do find myself going into smaller businesses or what might seem a smaller business and evaluating what's going on if the if the waiter is you know sitting behind the counter too much and not doing it. I just yeah, feel like yeah, I, I, I feel compelled that. to tell the business owner yeah. that they should be doing more. That's a curse. Because yeah, yeah, everyone else is there enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and even coming in here and, 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 and I'm partially thinking right, I need to speak to James about X and Y but I'm, I'm, I'm you know what you see your team and I'm, I'm looking at how the operations work I just like you say it's a, it's a curse it was, you know it's a good thing but it's a curse but good thing if you want to be a businessman well it's just you are the, the rare set of people in the world yeah and that's yeah. just the way it is it's been quite uh, particularly with social media it's been sort of made very glamorous though isn't it being a business owner or entrepreneur well, um, I, so, so I used to always wonder why people just not entrepreneurs I used to think why do you not want to be an entrepreneur like yeah. what is wrong with you why do you not want to do it now my mindset has changed I'm like I make sure people understand how difficult yeah. it is yeah it's not easy yeah I've actually now, there is massive rewards there is massive rewards but when I look at you know I worked seven days a week till I was about 28 not having holidays you know and I'm in evenings as well I yes. was doing like 15 shows a week I had a, a multi-million pound business turning three million quid and I was still out in a van every weekend gigging because I yeah. couldn't take any money out of the business because I wanted to grow it yeah and then I just you know I sit here now at 34 years old and I'm thinking did I get that right you know should I have gone travelling should I have seen the world you know do you ever? Do you? I know you think. Do you? Th would you have changed it if you could? Because it's, the, the, at the end of the day, it's my DNA. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I I get I get enjoyment by coming and working in a weekend. Yeah. And being on my own and getting stuff crap. That the the problem is for many successful business owners, they're not doing it to make money. They're doing it because they like progress and they like creating stuff. So Richard Branson, let's, let's use him here as an analogy. The guy is a multi-billionaire. Why is do he doing yeah. space tourism? Why is he starting a big, massive new business? If you, you know, he's not going to buy another island in the Virgin Islands to live on or improve his. He's got a private jet. He's got, he's got everything, he's got hasn't everything he? Yeah. He's doing it because it's who he is. And I take it because it's still on the personal brand topic there. Uh, one of the books we've got here is uh, the experienced business, and it's and that's great. But the the key part to it there is uh, why price focused businesses fail, and what winners do instead. I take it that's what you're really referring to in that there is that yeah, well, making money is a byproduct <coughs> of building a great business. Yeah, the great business is always at the well, forefront. Th th that book is is very much because lots of small businesses compete on price. Yeah, and the ones that compete on experience are usually generational when they last. Mm -hmm. Disney, Apple, Harrods, Selfridges, and then price businesses usually have volume, but they don't last. So Woolworth, CNA, volume businesses yeah. that do not last. Um, it's harder to build an experience business. It just is, yeah, because it's so much easier to get market share on price. People give you a chance if it's cheap. Yeah, um, it's harder to build something around experience, but when you do it lasts yeah. and that's why I'm loving this James Sinclair personal brand stuff um, because you know coming to our trainings and doing stuff for me it's, it's not cheap I think it's a worthwhile investment yes. but we're not cheap um, and we really look after our customers because the experienced business gives their customers what I call customer cuddles so a, a quick example of this is if you fly first class 
when people you know talk about this they go oh you get f you know beef fillet they give you champagne with strawberries in and you know and I'm breaking it down so they've basically given you 70 pounds worth of stuff more than an economy seat yeah. the difference is you've paid 5,000 pounds yeah. plus more than an economy seat but you value it because they've given you a series of customer cuddles that really only cost them 70 quid but you value that at 5,000 pounds yeah so a little bit I always feel that way when you go into like the Apple shop yeah absolutely um, you just don't know why Again, but it just feels right yeah so with the Apple an Apple product you know, it, say it costs 100 quid to make an iPhone they're selling it for 1200 quid there's 1100 pounds worth of value there that they can reinvest back into their customer yeah. a great shop staff like ants all over an ice cream in their shop so you never have to wait to see anyone yeah. I mean I, I, I bought some shorts in Zara yesterday um, and I had to wait in the queue for 10 minutes and it just annoyed me you never have to wait in an Apple shop um, they're never worried about staffing costs because they've got so much margin yes. to reward their customers and do you think that actually makes a, a business like that when you have the, the idea of selling it? I take it they're much more valuable to private equity or easier to sell if that is well, such no, a thing. There's price businesses that are you know that are that you know, Primark would definitely be valuable right now. Yeah. But you just need huge amounts of cash to scale it. And that's why I wrote that book because I said, look, actually you can build a two million pound experience business where you make you know half a million out of it or you can build a two million pound price focused business where you might make 60 70 thousand out of it which do you want mm. and although i don't want to marginalize your audience for this this is for and the, the kind of content you produce this is for the person that does want to build a business versus have a well-paid job that you, you you're not for necessarily solopreneur i mean i, I I've, I've helped lots of solopreneurs i just sort of make them understand that guys you know you're building something here that you cannot sell. Yeah. So what's the point in building a business that you can't sell? And you will sell it one day, whether it's by death, yes. or you've had enough, or someone offers you some money for it. Um, all businesses come to an end because we come to an end. Yeah. Um, or or businesses leaders come to an end because we come to an end. Sorry, should I say? And you know, you need to make sure that that's planned. Okay. So. Uh can we uh, talk about well, I want to talk about lessons and get something tactical for the audience and clearly there has been challenges for you going through your business it might be in the early stages it might have been recent uh, what tell me something that was you know a real challenge and, and kind of what I'm, I'm more keen on what you learned from it and how you sort of yeah. overcame it so cash flow is always a challenge in our capital intensive business um, you know like for example right now we make teddy bears we send half a million pounds to China to make teddy bears we don't get paid till December January yeah you know that that's always a struggle um, you know mo most businesses go through if they can make it it's like a hockey stick it's like slowly slowly and then boom yes you know and it's whether most people stay in the game long enough to get the boom yes um, and that is just the way it is so uh, always funding raising finance that never stops and that, that can be a, a a wear down that I and you know that I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up there because I've certainly found uh, although our business is going very nicely it's always there you know you have a great few months and you never need to worry about it and then it comes back again you get that little cash flow thing and you need to rally together yeah. do you find after 10 plus years in business that it's just the same thing but in a slightly bigger scale in a different way is it always like that do people like these business owners need to accept that they've always got to have an eye on cash flow they've always got to get new customers and get revenue in that's just part of the game yeah I mean I, the, the thing that will change your life is getting an FD mm. like a proper 
finance director that's better than your accountant that you actually right. that you use to do your books. So you know, and that that could cost you a lot of money, but that will change your life. And, and what we what's the what if you know? How, how well, they raise the finance. Ah, no, right. They, so they you actually the, the, the yeah yeah, yeah they the, deal with your bank manager. And, got you. But you know, an FD wants to go and work for a business that's you know maybe six million plus. Yes. You yeah. know, and and, that, and they'll probably be earning more than you. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and most people can't, but you know that investment for two or three years will pay. You know, I always say, well, you're happy to invest in a property. Why don't you invest in someone that's going to be really beneficial to you as business? You know, you know, there's different types. You know, you've got bookkeepers, financial controllers, FD accountants, and then FDs. So you know, usually businesses of a size have bookkeepers. Yeah. They don't have a financial controller. They use an accountant that they see once a month. That, that helps them or you know they three or four times a year so now we have um, an FD that's you know costs more than our accountant we yeah. was paying but we have them on tap yeah DND out there on, on they've got their finger yeah. on the money side of things yeah and they, they challenge you and yeah do they put so it's a huge puts, difference put certain barriers around you as well do you, that you need yeah. to try and yeah yeah, yeah. 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 okay Going back and, again, and when when you raise like it takes me longer to like do all the spreadsheets and all that, proving all the cash flow, how we can do it, all that. What was but, the catalyst for you to like get that? But was it doing those things or frustration with accountants? Was it? Well, it's just as it got bigger, you know. I just, you know, the spreadsheets got more complicated. Mm. You know, we, you know, once it, you know, I was fine up to five million quid, and then when it goes over like that six million pound mark, you're like, I need someone to help now. Yeah, yeah. Do you still feel though that, and, and I'm sure it was in one of your videos, but it could have been in a podcast. You spoke about um, hiring an assistant. That that was still one of yeah. your biggest and best sort of hires because getting a PA up. is is you know because you know what you know I don't know how to pay people on my personal stuff that or I don't have to do any personal banking anymore. Yeah. Um, you know if I uh, yeah booking holidays I don't do that anymore. Booking travel I don't manage in my diary. Imagine how much free time wow. that gives me to just go and do more effective stuff you know I want to be doing stuff that's very important not urgent all the time and most people do stuff that's very important very urgent and if you live in that world you can never grow Yeah. but the question most asked of me is James how do you get more time to do all this stuff how do you do that it's just I buy in more time yeah you watch what simple you for it yeah just buy in more time yeah and, and, a, and you know, at home I've got a, I've got a handyman that works for me two days a week just at home yeah so when I, I just get stuff done. Yes. And people go, how do you, because, you know, why, if you've got this mindset where I can't afford it, I can't do it, I can't afford it, then you'll never find abundance. Yeah, okay. Right, so let me finish off on some of these things here. We have a lot of people here that absolutely do want to grow their business, um, that they do not want to be in the back office of their house forevermore, being that solopreneur. They do want to hire and grow, etc., and grow revenue and, and be more successful. But I, I'm looking for three things if we think that they should be focusing on. So if we imagine that solopreneur, I don't maybe doing hundred grand a year turnover, maybe a couple hundred grand a year, if that, uh, that really want to start bringing people on and growing that to the millions. What are, what would you say the three things are that they should be focusing on? So, making sure you're a marketer of your business, not a doer of your business. 
So 80% of your time should be spent on getting customers, 20% of your time in your business and operations. Get rid of all low value tasks. Don't think you need to employ a marketing director, a sales director. Think about bringing in someone that does just administration between nine and three. That, that will give you so much more time to be a fantastic marketeer. Number three, make sure that you let everyone know that you're an expert of the thing that you do so that they're not so price conscious to your business. How can you become an expert? Make sure you win as many awards as you can. Make sure you're putting content out there. Make sure that you um, market that you're an expert. Use testimonials. Do all of those things. So expertise is one of the key things. The If people know you're the ultimate expert, they won't haggle you on price. Mm. And most businesses are experts that look average or average that look average. So stop looking average and stop being average. Be an expert that looks like an expert. So give you an example on this. You go to a dentist, they say, yep, sort that out, it's gonna be 2,000 pounds. People find the money to do it. They don't haggle with their dentist and go, oh, can you do a deal for me? Because that just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Because they're an expert and you know they're an expert. Yeah. And is that part of, because I'm going to, I want to talk about where we, people can find you online and you do some of your, your business, what is it, two-day workshops? Yeah, but so is I'm, that some of the stuff you talk about? Yeah, there? yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll show you our, our course for the Entrepreneur's Masterclass before you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a two-day course where we go through property investment, uh, raising finance, building profitable teams, um, how to get your business ready for sale even if you don't want to. Um, yeah, one of, you know, why number one is the worst number in business. I'm going to leave a little bit of intrigue mm. there um, uh, the growth factors in business getting customers writing really good marketing campaigns teaching people to be marketeers uh, and great business owners I mean it's a cocktail of success really um, and they people leave with a folder that's literally <laughs> like that yeah. um, to grow their business um, but before it gets into that you know follow me on LinkedIn James Sinclair LinkedIn James Sinclair on YouTube that's the, I mean the videos we've got on YouTube I believe are like gold dust to help people grow their business um, and we're on Facebook at James Sinclair's Entrepreneurs Network or we've got a little closed group called James Sinclair's Entrepreneurs Chat. Yeah, I, I can testify to that for everybody that's listening there. I have searched far and wide to find kind of some of the best people out there, not just producing content, because there's a lot of interesting content out there, but entertaining content as well that carries some real value and I certainly find that with your stuff James um, but that might just come as naturally to you because of the background I dare say you've worked hard on yeah, that yeah, yeah. of course there's no doubt but uh, there is an element of entertainment but That's there is some real, very real value there so I would absolutely uh, testify to that so James uh, and, and my you. podcast you might, have you listened to any of our podcasts no I've not apart from the one you've done I think it was right here with your friend is that right you done one with your friend well I'm doing podcasts on my own now I just so do you see that, yeah? yeah, yeah. you feel what does it just when you're out walking or well, do you set people, up and everything? Or do you yeah, use, no, I just do it at my desk and yeah. everyone's walking around me. Um, and I, I like it. I think it's a different way of doing it. And how, all, is, how does that feel for you? You know, there's a, the camera very I'm, easy. Is it now? No, has that always been easy for you because you're used to the performance? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just I, I pretend I'm in a radio station, <laughs> which I'd love to do. I'd love was to. Was it ever difficult? No. No, it was, what do you say to those ones that go, ah, I want to do this, I really do want to do it, but it is a Don't do it if you don't. I mean, when it comes to content, Martin, you've got to have charisma, consistency, great content, and know the right channels to put it on. Um, and if you are not, so if content marketing you want to do for your business, if you're not the charismatic person that really wants to do it, buy it in. Yeah. You know, 
you know, Disney, 20th Century Fox have been buying in talent. You know, every TV channel have been buying in talent to be the front yeah, person. Companies have uh, been been buying in. You know, Michael Parkinson's and all yeah, these for, yeah, forever yeah. more. So you would say, you know, and it's not, that. you can even employ like Somebody semi semi level celebrities now. I mean, one of my uh, a client that I know that um, uh, hired Carol Smiley for their estate agents business mm. to be the front person because they understood the importance of content marketing. Yeah, they just, cheap. It wasn't, it, you know, everyone <laughs> thought it was going to be hundreds of thousands Man, of pounds. I think it cost them £10,000 a year. Jesus. To have, so it's not, yeah. I, I don't know, it might have been £20,000, but it wasn't ball-breaking, and yeah. they really got a return on investment on that. Okay, so have someone there that... No, it's interesting because I always know when, particularly with the video... Uh, that don't let ego people, get in the way, you know. If you're not good at it, yeah. get someone else that is good at it. Ego is the enemy of so many mm. business owners, and... They're just naff at stuff, and they yeah. should be put doing do the stuff you're good at, gang. That's my big thing. Yeah. You know, if there was a full thing, if you're really good at doing accounts and raising finance, then do that. that if you're really good yeah. at sales, focus on sales, so that really grow your business. Um, the only thing that I think everyone needs to learn is marketing. Yeah, whatever they do, they need to know how to get customers. James, on that, thank you. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Cheers. So there we have it, James Sinclair. Formerly Jimbo the party man, now chief exec of a twelve million pound a year leisure business. So hugely successful person when it comes to business and finances. Big takeaways for me, something that I would highly recommend that you all focus on. Instead of having the mindset of you cannot afford to bring people on change that mindset to you cannot afford to not bring people on and it really has to be that way. I've had so much more freedom to focus on those high value tasks since we've had a, a, a push on recruitment recently over the last couple of months. And when you can focus on exactly that, bringing new business, opening up new doors, looking for new opportunities, that is, and it's only then will your business start to flourish. And it gives you that little bit of pressure as well, which I do believe is a very good thing in business, is giving you that, you know, when you up the ante on your costs, then you will naturally, or you should, as an entrepreneur, push that bit harder. In fact, if you don't push that bit harder, maybe it's because being an entrepreneur, being a business owner and leader is not for you. And I don't, and if that's the case, I don't think you're probably at this stage of the podcast because you're probably turned off by now. So the fact that we're here tells me that uh, you are serious about growing your business and I would highly encourage you to look at bringing people on in those areas, plug those gaps, those low-value tasks, get them taken care of by someone. Start small, part-time person, but focusing on those high-value tasks is critical for your success. So that being one of them. Second thing, just to touch on it, consider time when you bring a person on and put time aside to consider your personal brand. It is there now and it will be there even more so in the future that the minute anybody goes to start a job, that somebody goes to work with you, have a meeting with you, it's like the way companies or customers used to look at your website, they're now looking at YouTube, they're looking for podcasts, they're looking at LinkedIn. Your personal brand is critical. And as we briefly touched on, we all have a personal brand whether we like it or not. 
But whether you choose to use yours and subsequently grow that and be, make it better, or whether you choose to just let it sit there idle, well, that's the decision that you need to make. And uh, leaving it idle is good for no one because it will just rot away. And it's just, you know, having no personal brand is just like having a bad one. So get working on that personal brand of yours. Get working on bringing people in for those low-value tasks. Start focusing your attention on the high-value tasks. I'm Scott Ewart. Thanks for joining us, and we'll speak to you next time.